0: The Money Show. Personal Finance with Warren Ingram. Warren Ingram, who is a director at Galileo Capital. He's a personal financial advisor. The world is crazy. The world, I mean, I always think, you know, people talk about the VUCA world. And I get very cross with people talking about the VUCA world. They say it's, oh, it's volatile. It's uncertain. It's, it's complex. It's ambiguous. Um, and you go, well, yeah. It was in the Cuban Missile Crisis. It was uh, when the Berlin Wall went up. It was when the Sudetenland got invaded. It, it was 10 years ago. It will get more complex into the future. Of course it's complex. That's what makes it interesting. Um, so, you know, and then people start panicking about investment decisions. So as we go into 2021, we put 2020 behind us, and I dread looking forward to 2021 because I was looking forward to 2020. We get new US president. We've got vaccines for for COVID-19. We've got South Africa hopefully on an economic turnaround path, if but maybe. Lots of fractious politics and noise. What do we do? How do we brace ourselves from a money perspective for the year ahead?
1: It's. Uh, I mean, I love your your the of the Vuka comments because um, it always reminds you of these sort of you know skits of the you know of of some guy deciding he's going to be a motivational speaker and that's the first thing he always puts up on his slide is you know the, the VUCA <laughs> thing. And and I think uh, I, I mean I'm 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 very grateful sometimes that the world is volatile and uncertain because if it wasn't I, I don't I don't know that you and I would have a job you know what would we be talking about if everything was stable and predictable all the time you know we we'd be saying it was the same as yesterday and it'll be the same tomorrow uh, so, so so I don't mind the volatility too much but uh, but sometimes a bit less uh, I think my first comment is we we probably need to uh, just reset our our. Big decisions uh, w- when we're talking about investments. In other words, how much have you got in um, in the big asset classes? How much have you got in cash? How much have you got in bonds? You know, property, uh, shares, and then specifically, how much have you got in South Africa? And how much have you got overseas? So, so to me, those would be the big decisions that you need to get right now. And I, and I think you don't have to worry too much about sweating the small stuff. In other words, you know, if you've got you know you've got a little bit of overexposure to to Apple versus Amazon. I don't think that's such a big call. You know, the big call now is how much have you got overseas versus how much have you got in South Africa? Um, and how much have you got in international shares? And, you know, have you got any international bonds? And if you do, maybe you need to be careful. So, so it's, it's the bigger calls that we need to get right now. And, and and I think we, um, you know, if we, if you're sitting in a position where you feel unbalanced in terms of, uh, and, and that's not psychologically, Bruce, that's, that's around money. Uh, th- then make sure that you get that balance, right. In, in other words, uh, if you've got an overexposure to South Africa, you know, look at the rand now. You know, the rand's—I mean, it sounds funny to say—it's incredibly strong at you know whatever fifteen, whatever it is now. Uh, you know, considering at the start of the year it was in the in the fourteens, but but I think it is—it's incredibly strong now, g- given our country's financial position. So so it's a good time to get your your offshore balance right, and, and it's much more important to get that right now, and then say, well, I've got the money overseas; I can feed it into international shares if that's what I need to do. But, but don't don't dally around uh, you know 1522 to the dollar versus 1518 it's it's frankly irrelevant it's important to get to get it reasonably right and and then get the money out and, and and get it invested so so i think that that would be my my biggest suggestion to to someone now and then the second thing is you know once you've got let, let's just talk about international because that seems to be on everyone's mind all the time at the moment is you know what are the international markets going to do uh, these tech shares are really expensive. You know, how, how should I position my my overseas assets? And and I think uh, prob- probably two big themes, in, in, you know, th- that are kind of roaming around in my head at the moment. And and, and that, that would be, uh, I am worried about tech shares just in general. I think you know, especially U.S. tech shares. I think they've they've had an incredible run, and and you know, they they continue to defy gravity. Uh, so, so I'm not saying sell them out completely, but you know, if you've if you've enjoyed the ride from especially from the start of the year to now, the likelihood is you're overexposed to to tech shares. So so reduce your tech shares. You know, don't sell out completely. Make sure you've got proper global exposure. You know, I think uh, the rest of the world outside of America doesn't look too expensive to me. And then I think I've said it before, uh, but, but but definitely, you know, I think my my call for for the next decade or so is is emerging markets. So, so you know, potentially reduce your tech exposure and, and 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 add that to to an emerging market index or something like that. Uh, I think you know those are big calls that that we we should be focusing on now. Uh, and then looking at South Africa, it's just so fascinating to me. You know, somewhere around 2014, 2015, right, right up to 2017, more and more of the good South African fund managers were were starting to temper our expectations around the JSE, you know, telling us they were foreseeing. Know, potentially half a percent a year of real growth on the on the JSE or one percent a year of real growth. And and, and listening to the good, those same good fund managers now, it's interesting to hear them say, you no, know, we, we, we could see five to seven percent real growth from the JSE in the next five to ten years. And it's not a big call on the SA economy. It's 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 rather a big call on what's going on in the world. You know, the, the, the sentiment is shifting away from the, the the developed markets back to emerging markets again. It's a trend that's happened many times. You know, the, the early 2000s was it was a good case in point. And then just after the financial crisis again. You know, and I think, uh, you know, I wouldn't be surprised to, to see the JSE go on a tear again, you know. Uh, I'm not saying that you know it'll be the best performing market in the world, but but if you've got shares in the JSE like, like many of us have, and and you're disappointed in in the pathetic returns we've had from the JSE over the last five years, uh, you know, I, I certainly am. Uh, my, my suggestion is don't lose faith. I think a lot of people are, are making terrible decisions now. If I look at where the money's going into unit you know, trust sectors, it's all going into cash, you know, and and I think that that's such a classic almost contraindicated you know, when, when, when when people are making bad decisions in a collective you know, and that's what's happening now The But you money can un- into cash, can you can know.
0: understand Warren why people are doing it because I mean people who had money in cash in the last five years and were getting 8% have done considerably better than people who had money in shares and were getting 1 or 2% so now you look at this True. and you go and you look you know what I know interest rates have been cut by half over the last year but at least I'm going to get 4% return. Or, you know, if I take a bit more risk and I, I can buy government bonds, I can get a, a better return. So I, I'm going to put it all in cash because at least I know what I'm going to get. And uh, and that, uh, you know, it, it may be a fool's paradise, but my goodness gracious me, it feels comfortable. It
1: does feel comfortable, and every you know every day and every week that you look at your your statements online, you know you never see it going down unless you're spending the money. So so I, I get the logic of it, but uh, you know if, uh, it sounds to me a little bit like someone you know comparing one horse to another. So if we're going to stay on that analogy, what's happened now is the horse that's won, you know the the last the last five races that that horse is rather tired, and it's not going to win the next five races. You know there, there, there are other horses that are fresher. And and to me, it, it you know I, I, I agree with you on the bond call. I think you know there's still there's still some merit in in, in buying bonds in South Africa, uh, but, but I, I just think that uh, you know we're not talking about the South Africa story. We're talking about the emerging market story, and that will be what the thing that drags the the, the, the JSE. And 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 you know I think it's one of those things about being an investor. Is it's a, it's not an easy uh, you know, it's not an easy business at all. And sometimes you have to do what seems completely irrational, you know, sometimes you have to, you know, they, they talk about, you know, walking into the burning building. And I think that's really what, what I am saying now is you, you've got to do what doesn't feel comfortable. And, and, and you know, making returns from from shares in particular over long periods of time uh, is, is a deeply uncomfortable business, you know, mm-hmm. and and I think that's where we are now. It's, it's do, Don't do what feels comfortable because comfortable gives you certainty and certainty means you don't beat inflation over the long term, unfortunately. You know, if, if, you know it's if, so interesting. Reason, I ran would
0: find a way. I ran a poll today on Twitter and I've uh, 800 responses or there or thereabouts. And so it's, it's a fairly good slug uh, of response. Um, and it's the most emotive question that you can ask anybody. And you say, on the 1st of January 2021, where will the RAND be? Stronger than 14 to the dollar? Stronger than 15 to the dollar? Stronger than 16? Or is it descending into hell? Because I thought that was kind of emotive. <laughs> More than half of the respondents... Fifty-six percent of respondents said either sixteen to the dollar or weaker, or descending into hell, which tells you where I, where certainly social media world's mindset is. Yeah, and and it's a it,
1: to me it's a buying sign. It, it, you know, we, 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 um, it sounds like capitulation. You know, it sounds like people just giving up uh, on on. Anything. It could be the rand, or it could be the JC. When they capitulate in in mass, uh, that, that's the buying opportunity for 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 you know um, for investors who are saying, uh, "I'm looking for opportunities." And I think at you know at current levels, the rand the rand is really good to to convert into dollars. You know, I, I, I don't want to shy away from that. And I'm certainly never going to make a rand prediction uh, on air because I will I'll be certain to be wrong. But,
0: but, uh, and, and I will
1: remember. And I will rub your face. And, and you, you will it. Yes, you, you definitely will remember. That's true. So, so, and I won't. And then, and then I'll have to just go with what you say. <laughs> so, so, I, I just think, uh, you know, I think let's get the bigger decisions right. And, and I think that's the thing to say to investors is. Don't sell out of your shares. You know, if you if you if you feel uncomfortable with the JSE, that means temper it down somewhat. You know, offset that with with some you know international exposure. But you know, hedge your bets when you don't know what to do. You know, have one foot in both camps. And I always think you know that's a much better way of investing than being an all or nothing investor, 100% in shares when when things are going incredibly well and they have for the last five years. That's probably the time to reduce your share exposure. This is the opposite situation it's the time to increase your share exposure but not to 100% again it's not that's not what i'm saying but but i think get the balance right and be balanced and and you know don't have a lot of expectations for 2021 just be muted and, and tempered in what's what's going on both sides you know optimistic or pessimistic it's, it you know those kinds of emotions are terrible for for long-term investment success
0: It leads very nicely into the question from JJ, which I don't know if you've seen. So let me just give you a little heads up on it so you've got a moment to think about it because you know I like to play fair. Um, What are the steps to financial freedom? A nice, short, sweet, clear question. I think you've addressed it um, in your books, but from a radio perspective, and maybe, JJ, what you can go and do is by how to become your own financial advisor or become your own financial advisor or um, I, I prefer to read the first, the second one first which was um, how to make your first million because that takes you on a path to financial freedom but uh, we're going to get a little, tester, a little taster uh, from Warren in just a second. JJ's question this evening, what are the steps to financial freedom? The Money Show. Personal finance with Warren Ingram. It's actually a huge question. I don't know if we've got enough time for it, but do your best, Warren Ingram. What are the steps, asks JJ, to financial freedom? I think
1: there there are three steps to, to financial freedom. So the first step would be uh, to, to
0: get yourself debt-free as, as fast and as soon as possible. Uh, and, and when you and say debt-free, be... I mean, again, this, question, this is thrown around a lot. When you say debt-free, um, get rid of mortgage, credit card, car debt, um, debt to family, All debt. Get rid of it all before you start investing. Yeah, I don't I, think that's what you mean. And I think that
1: if there's an order to it, then I think get rid of what, what I would call the bad debt first. And bad debt to me are the, are the debts that attract very high interest rates. So things like credit cards, personal loans, overdrafts, store card debt, et cetera. Because generally those are debts that you incur to buy, buy things that just lose value immediately. Uh, and so so those are the ones that I would focus on first. And then, you know, you can take a bit more time on the mortgage. I, I prefer to be debt-free completely uh, b- before I'd start investing but but some people you know find that boring so so then i'd say make sure you're overpaying on the mortgage and then you can start investing but but, but generally that would be the first step is you know get, get get rid of the bad debts no question you know you can't you can't start investing if you owe banks you know um, on credit cards and personal loans and, and and then make sure you're overpaying on the mortgage at least or 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 get to the point where your mortgage is completely paid off the, the second step is you need an emergency fund and and that's a you know money that you you have in your money market accounts linked to your banking profile you know something that's easily accessible uh, th- that is there literally for the unforeseen you know i think covid's taught
0: us that the unforeseen can happen to anyone anywhere at any time yeah but and what and what we've uh, learned now is it's a once in a 100 year thing so we don't need it anymore i mean i just uh, as covid hit warren all of the conversations <laughs> we've had about emergency funds were ringing so loud in my ear because sometimes you can be a bit a bit winny about the emergency fund. You can be a little bit insistent what? on the emergency, but you can Come be. On. And then suddenly you, you, were you were right. And then suddenly you were right, you know, because it's like you know, yeah, it's boring. You know, put it into a cash account, and that's yeah, you know, It's a big lump of money you're asking us to to keep separate from everything else, but. I have to say that you were completely right and remain correct and completely right. And people are going to rebuild those emergency funds because I bet you a whole lot of emergency funds have been plundered. Uh, I'm so glad that these are recorded and I can can
1: keep this for posterity. You were right on this one thing. yes. Warren was right. Bruce, Bruce Whitfield said Warren was right. Thank you, thank you. I'll keep that. So, so three to six months worth of your expenses in an emergency fund, uh, and and you know it's it's not a, it's basically an insurance policy that you're you're funding yourself. That, that's really what you should view that as. Uh, and then the last step is, is is the big question, you know, and that's to, to make sure that you start to build assets so that one day when you don't want to work anymore, those assets can generate uh, an income that will cover your expenses. Uh, And if you want to calculate that for yourself, what you do is you take how much you spend in a year and and remember it needs to be all of the expenses in a year. So, you know, if you spend money on a car every five years, then it's, you know, one fifth of what you're going to spend on that car. You need to put into that calculation, your holidays, all of it. Uh, And and you you multiply that, uh, you know, by 20 or 25, depending on how conservative you want to be and that will tell you how much capital you need to get to your financial freedom number you know i call it the lotto number if you want to know you know how much how much money you need to play for in the lotto or, or you know more predictably, save it and, and invest and that that's the number you're aiming for so so it is a huge question but but if you want three simple steps you know get get debt free get the emergency fund 3 to 6 months of expenses and then get get building the uh, the assets that will will be able to provide you an income one day and, and I don't think you need to be really fancy on the assets. You know, I think it's, you know, basically if you go 60 to to 70% in shares with the balance in cash bonds and property companies uh, you know and I'm, I'm talking about local and global then uh, you know that's that's what you do in a in a portfolio like that you know very simple very predictable uh, you know yes volatile i'm not I'm not saying that but but certainly over time you know that will give you the the income that you need to to cover your expenses and give you the inflation protection that that you definitely need the one thing that a lot of people
0: forget Let's get your word, your phrase of the week and this week it's a good one because people I think are very confused over this term what's an endowment so it's 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 something that
1: gets sold quite a lot you know and and, and so so just very quickly it is it is an insurance product so so when you when you invest in an endowment uh, Actually, what you're doing is investing in in something that's that, that's covered by by an insurance license, and and so you're putting money into that, uh, and and it does a few things. The first thing it does is it gives you an element of, of a tax shelter because endowments have a different uh, income tax rate and a capital gains tax rate to, to individuals. So if you're somebody who pays a lot of income tax, you know, and and, that, and, and a lot of income tax to me means over the 30% uh, income tax rate, then an endowment does become quite attractive because if you put money in there, the endowment will pay tax every year on, on the income. You won't, the endowment will. Uh, and it will pay capital gains tax also at a lower rate than those that pay very high rates of tax. Uh, But after a period of five years or longer, but, but it must be five years minimum, if you decide to take your money out of the endowment. That, that money will be tax-free in your hands because the endowment has been paying tax every year that that it's been going. So so it's you know it often gets mis-sold by by agents. Um, you know where, where they say this is a tax-free investment. That's not true. I mean it does pay it does pay tax all the time. Uh, so it's certainly not as if uh, you know it's, it's it competes with a tax-free savings account. But but what does bother me is a lot of the time these endowments are sold to investors as an education policy, for example. You know, you know set aside an education policy for your child. Um, and, and put it in endowment the issue with that is if you are a low you know low income taxpayer let's say your tax rate is only 25 percent you're actually putting your money into a product which is going to be taxed at a higher rate than you would be taxed so so then it becomes a lousy place to 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 invest for you know for your kids education so so i think it's very attractive for things like family trusts it's very attractive for investment companies and very attractive for very high uh, you know income taxpayers um, and but you need to know that the, the five-year term is really important there um, the, the last point I think you know is that they are um they are offered by, although they it's an insurance product, they are also offered by a lot of unit trust companies who've applied for an investment license related to these insurance products. So it's not like you suddenly, you know, you go to a unit trust company and they're gonna sell you a life policy um, you know, on on your on your death or something like that. They're going to sell you a pure investment policy which is covered under this 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 life assurance regulations. So those would be my preferred entry points, to, to be very honest, if I'm going to buy an endowment for for a trust or a very high income tax person, I wouldn't generally go
0: to the insurance companies just because they're really expensive. We must leave it there. Thank you, Warren Ingram. Warren Ingram is a personal financial advisor and executive director at Galileo Capital.